0: Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast.
1: I'm Ross. And I am Gordon. And what have you got for us this time?
0: I wanted to touch on the topic of filters that are said to reduce light pollution for when you're doing astrophotography. Or even night photography with skies.
1: Okay. Well, that's that sounds interesting. But... Uh, I was having some trouble with uh, the terminology because my brain computes pollution as a spillover of undesirable compounds. So does this terminology apply to particulate matter, uh, atmospheric stuff that's floating around, or something to do with undesirable light? Particularly since finding dark sky options Uh, in this day and age of urban creep uh, is getting harder and harder to do. Well,
0: that's fair. So light pollution initially was defined as the concept of light spread into the atmosphere caused by often urban lighting. Now, how does that light spread happen? Well, certainly we see it worse in areas where you do have a high level of particulate matter or crap in
1: the air. That's a good word.
0: So, I mean, you you could think about it. For example, we've all seen photographs of industrial cities, uh, for example, in China, where you can't see the sky. Or if you've ever been to Los Angeles on a heavy day. There is no visibility. And so at night, your ability to photograph the night sky would be very, very limited. Those are things that these light pollution filters aren't going to fix. What they're going to try to do instead is to filter out the spectrum of light that is commonly occupied by sodium vapor or mercury vapor lights that's used in cities and towns for things like street lights and signage and that sort of thing. This kind of lighting tends to the yellow-orange range of the spectrum, and for those who want to know the numbers, the filters block light in the range of 575 nanometers to 600 nanometers. The outcome of filtering this light is that contrast improves, and the yellow-orange areas tend to go darker. They're being filtered out making it more like a darker sky shot. A light pollution filter, despite its pretty, pretty name, does not actually filter out light pollution. What they're doing, in fact, is filtering out certain frequencies of light that are common in light pollution, where those frequencies are not relevant for celestial objects that we want in a night sky shot.
1: Okay, all right, I think I think I get that now. So, artificial lighting produces a mixed frequency light that produces some form of a color cast, as you mentioned, I believe, mostly of the orange-yellow spectrum. And to remedy this in night photography, you would require to spend a considerable amount of time in post-processing, and you would require to have a significant amount of skill to get rid of it. But do these work, or is this just another one of those gizmos or gadgets that have been produced, making us believe that they're going to be helpful? As always, the answer
0: is it depends. Mm -hmm. Uh, These filters do work, but their effectiveness is highly variable depending on how much light pollution there is, the state of the atmosphere, such as how much actual physical crud is there, because we can't do anything about that, the direction of the light relative to the photographer, and other factors, of course. You know, is there a lot of humidity in the air? Mm -hmm. You know, is there more reflectance of light? Right. Because all we're doing with these filters is filtering out certain frequencies. And as we know, what we're filtering out are the frequencies of, reflected
1: light so from what you've said then you've indicated what what it does from the photographer's point of view but how how is it is this is this a new concept or in all the literature that i have looked at about astrophotography not once have i seen this concept of these filters mentioned
0: so my understanding is that they are a relatively new Offering, when I checked with with folks who do astrophotography a lot, they talk about them being around for the last few years, but not much longer
1: than not that. much longer. Okay,
0: uh, certainly in none of the books that I have on night
1: photography,
0: or any of the classes that I took, you know, eight to ten years ago, there was never a mention of these things at okay. all. so yeah, f- I would say that they are fairly new. And I think that it's safe to say they have massively enthusiastic people
1: okay. enthused.
0: <laughs> you know, slice okay. bread, take a back seat.
1: Yes, but, okay.
0: And others saying, "Yeah, you know what, this is a pretty useful tool, but don't expect the world to change.
1: Okay. I may regret this, but... I was wondering, so how, how are these filters made? Because one article that I saw, there are varied descriptions of what they filter and uh, there are multiple companies that produce them and the uh, specifications of, of what is produced. Some are more bluish, some are more yellowish. So uh, what, should, what should one be looking for in these filters?
0: Uh, this is, I think, a good question and I can't claim great expertise in it. So I looked at the science in the principle of filtering out this yellow-orange light. So I think we understand that to filter out certain colors of light, you can either use a filter of that type, i.e. block that. In the case of my research, however, what I discovered is, as you said, there's a whack of these things. And some of them literally are just die over glass. And they're not going to do a really good job. Okay. The higher end ones all seem to use, it's not an element, it's a chemical called didymium. And that's a combination of a couple of rare earth elements. Uh, and I may screw up the pronunciation on these. A neodymium, which is a rare earth metal that's actually used in a lot of things like AirPod, you know, and little earphone speakers mm-hmm. to make drivers. And praseodymium which is another rare earth element, those are pretty, well, they're rare earth, so they're pretty scarce critters. So they meaning rare not, not available readily. And what they'll do is they will produce this didymium and it will be layered on optical glass. Now, depends on the maker. As you say, they may have different tints. A couple of the high-end filters that appear to do a really good job actually have, look different. Some have a greenish cast. The majority of the very well-recommended ones have a magenta cast. And that makes some more sense if we're looking at filtering yellow-orange through this rare earth okay. matrix. But I haven't done the science on it, so I can't say for sure. What really matters is consistent use of whatever the filter material is, and of course the glass quality that the material is applied to. Okay. Sadly, there are lousy ones and that are no more than that tinted glass I talked about. And as a consequence, they don't do very much and that can give the whole concept a very bad reputation.
1: So are there any brands that you've come across? You've mentioned that other astrophotographers you've spoken to have they suggested what, what you should be looking for, what brands are available, what's good, what's bad? And that begs the question, well, actually, in the course of this discussion, I just came up with the second thing. It begs two questions. Firstly, should these be considered to be part of your gear for all-night photography or only celestial photography? And is it feasible that using standard filters might give you a similar sort of result?
0: Fair question. What I've been able to gather through research is that traditional filters, uh, like UV filters or tinted filters, aren't going to do the same more surgical cut that these things do. Okay. So if we look at a wavelength representation of where they cut, It's particularly exacting, and it's a very sharp, whereas other filters tend to be a smoother type of longer wave in what they they cut. The astrophotographers that I spoke to do, frankly, mostly celestial stuff. Okay. And they say that if you're looking for, you know, stars or, you know, planetary rotation photographs or the Milky Way or, you know, galactic type of things... Where your camera's doing a long exposure with a clock drive and all that stuff, they recommend them quite highly. Now if you're doing night photography, what are you photographing? It? If it's a cityscape at night, I think it's a questionable thing. Because if you're doing a night shot like of a city skyline, maybe you want those yellow maybe orange. You do. Sure. And maybe you don't. So I think it's a question of, well, try
1: it and find out
0: but definitely not. that is not one of the prescriptions for which these things were built. Okay. Obviously, when we look at any filter, we wanna make sure that it's made from optical glass. That means both sides are perfectly parallel to each other. And as in any filter, uh, we want both sides of the filter to be multi coated because we wanna eliminate those areas of internal reflection and internal refraction as much as we possibly can, because we're going to lose quality if we don't. Okay. Just putting that filter on is going to degrade. It's one of the arguments against protection filters, particularly in low light situations, because you lose such a high percentage of the light due to internal reflection and refraction. So multi-coated both sides. And while I haven't purchased one of these filters yet, I've done research and spoken to guys who do use them, Sorry, guys, and ladies who do use them, and have found excellent reviews of the Nisi line, and that's a, a slide-in filter. It goes into a filter frame, as well as the screw-on filters that come from Case, and that's spelled K-A-S-E. When I look at the pricing, they're certainly not idiot expensive, but they're also not $29 or $30 U.S., as we find many of these light pollution filters are. So there's definitely stratification that occurs in the price point. There are other well-respected makers of filters, better known for professional grade photography filters who have started doing light pollution filters as well. And those are folks like Ida, who do the slide-in type Mm -hmm. of filters. And we know folks who use those, including myself. And B plus W and B plus W is, I think one of the finest the hmm? filters that we're going to find in the marketplace. And they are doing these astronomical photography, these light pollution filters. In no case are they the cheapest, but I think if you're going to go spend hours outdoors doing astrophotography, the expenditure may pay off for you in terms of the number of keepers that you get. And to your point, if it reduces some of the time you have to spend in post, where you're gonna find greater enjoyment of the images you got and not have the frustration of trying to fight with these very spiky color temperature filtrations that you have to do, that could be pretty valuable. Now, the one thing I did find is that they're not widely available. So fortunately, you know, you're know you gonna have to, or fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, you're going to go to a very large store if you're going to hope to find any kind of inventory deliverable in your lifetime. I did check a number of sources, uh, and the best resource I found, kind of regardless of where you live, is b Photo Video, right? And they had all kinds in stock at all kinds of price points, uh, including the higher-end ones. And if you were to go with a screw-on type of filter, i follow the same rule for that as I do for screw-on polarizers. Find the biggest filter that your lens kit set needs by that size, and then just use step rings so you could use your light pollution filter on lenses that use smaller diameter filters.
1: Okay, so this seems simple and i'm coming away from this but knowing something that i did not know before and what i'm getting out of this is that these filters are available they will likely improve the image quality from your astrophotography possibly night photography are they worth it well probably you will have to be the best decider of this because you have to decide whether the the cost outlay is worth the number of times you're going to be sitting outside for hours at a time to produce one of these images.
0: I think you're absolutely right on that. When I was talking to the folks who do astrophotography, they did say, you know, if you get to a proper dark sky area, you don't need the filter, obviously. Yes. But... Even if you're getting reasonably outside your urban or even suburban area, you know, like where we live, it's not really urban, it's suburban. We get streetlights. We don't have a whole lot of big signage and that kind of thing. But even in an area like this, everybody I spoke to said, yeah, you're going to see a difference. And then again, to your point, how much do I do this? How important is this to me? How much time would I spend in post worrying about it at all? And then that's going to determine whether you even consider buying one, and if you do, how much you're willing to spend.
1: Sure. Well, I think that's... Your point was well taken because uh, from where we live, there is a location northwest of us, no, directly north of us. It's called a Dark Sky Reserve, and... It's noted for its dark sky. However, in recent years, there is an adjacent small town, which is rapidly becoming a medium-sized town. And that dark sky is perhaps not as dark as it used to be.
0: Well, that's a, that's a an excellent point. Because when I was looking for dark sky, true dark sky where we are. I don't think there are any. It's a two and a half hour drive to get well, to what is currently rated as proper dark sky.
1: Yes, but you can see Bala just not that far away. Well, and that and that's the point. <laughs> and right? that's that's the point. So,
0: as you say, as these towns and villages grow, or even the population increases, I meaning you've got more cars on the road, yep. cars are generating light pollution. Sure. And and that's a that's a consideration.
1: Okay, so uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything that we didn't know. And hopefully this will be helpful to those who have an inclination to sit sit outside in the middle of the night for hours at a time. And it certainly sounds like something that is worthwhile investigating to uh, determine what your needs might be.
0: Well, thank you, Gordon, and thanks to all who listen in. Thanks to those of you who subscribe to the podcast and to those of you who send in comments. For the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, I'm Ross. And I'm Gordon. And we will speak to you again very soon.